further ado, our first speaker today is Mr. Ken uh, Barton, and he will be speaking. The subject is the two that nobody knew. This is the uh, second chapter on the continuing saga in the book by David Barton. And it's, it's not a very big, thick book, but it is very deep. <clears throat> so three weeks ago, I spoke a little about that book, America, to pray or not to pray. It's focused on what happened beginning on June 25, 1962, when the United States Supreme Court turned our collective backs on God by <coughs> making it illegal to say this 22-word prayer in our public school. The, the case is Engel v. Battelle. Almighty God, we acknowledge our dependence upon thee, and we beg thy blessings upon us, our parents, our teachers, and our country. Then, on June 17, 1963, the same Supreme Court, using the First Amendment as its reason, issued a ruling in Murray v. Curlett and Abington v. Shemp that forbade the inclusion of any religious activities in major activities of this daily student life. And that by striking down school prayer, Bible reading. This was something that no branch of our government had ever attempted in their 174 years prior to that when our Constitution was ratified. To do this, the court had reinterpreted this statement. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. And they made it into this separation of church and state, which was not contained in the First Amendment. The First Amendment up to then, anyway, had always meant that Congress could not establish a national religious denomination. For example, a law requiring that all Americans had to be <coughs> Catholic or Anglican or whatever. This had been clearly explained by the founders and applied by the court during all that time. So what happened? These justices took it upon themselves to decide that church would no longer mean a federal denomination, but rather it would mean any religious activity in public. One fell swoop and they changed the meaning from something that prohibited the government from deciding which religion would be the recognized and thereby required religion to something that empowered the government to outlaw and ban any and all religious activities in public affairs. We need to think about that for a minute. You see, what they did was the absolute opposite of what our founders intended and what our founders had set in place. Our founders had just won independence from a government with absolute powers over their people. 
and the founders' intent was to ensure that it would never happen again here. The Constitution of the United States of America, unlike most, if not all, of the other nations' constitutions, because I'll be honest with you, I didn't read them all, around the world strongly and clearly limit the power of the government. They it only allows them certain powers that our founders felt was necessary for them to have in order for our nation to function properly. However, by far, most of the rights belong solely to the people, not the government. And that's the purpose of the Ninth and Tenth Amendments. Here's the Ninth Amendment. The enumeration in the Constitution of certain rights shall not be construed to deny or disparage others detained by the people. The others is the other rights. Here's the Tenth Amendment. The powers not delegated to the United States by the Constitution, nor prohibited by it to the states, are reserved respectfully, or to the states respectively, or to the people. You need to catch that last part, or to the people. Anything that the, our Constitution does not expressly give as a power to the federal government or to state government belongs to us, the people. Period. Our Constitution's intent was to limit government. Other nations' constitutions were limiting the people. federal government and state governments to run roughshod. But they needed the states to be pretty strong because to make it a republic. Anyway, let me get back. It's amazing how many people don't understand that, but you realize that it hasn't been taught in school since 1963. Here's the thing. Our founding fathers needed to spell out why they had declared our independence from England and how they intended our citizens to keep said independence. Part of that was by establishing it under no, under, un, no circumstances whatsoever. Were we to fail to acknowledge Almighty God as the divine creator of all things and who we must always reverence, honor, and seek guidance from. In 1977, John W. Whitehead, in Separation Illusion, a lawyer examines the First Amendment, wrote this. In 1892, the United States Continental Convention made an exhaustive study of the supposed connection between Christianity and the government of the United States. After reviewing hundreds of volumes of historical documents, the court asserted, quote, these references add a volume of unofficial declarations to the mass of organic utterances that this is a religious people, a Christian nation. 
defense case. Likewise, in 1931, Supreme Court Justice George Sutherland reviewed the 1892 decision in reference to another case and reiterated that Americans are a Christian people. And in 1952, Justice William O. Douglas affirmed that, quote, we are a religious being, our people, and our institutions presuppose a supreme being, quote. As I stated a few weeks ago, one of these areas where that conception was most visible was in America's public schools. Our first schools were in churches. Got the building, got the space, let's use it. And for more than 300 years, since their inception in the mid-1600s to 1963, public schools promoted prayer and often used the Bible as a textbook. After all, the best basis for teaching moral and religious principles is to be found in the Bible. In 1836, one of the founding fathers, Noah Webster, said this, quote, No truth is more evident to my mind than that the, relig the Christian religion must be the basis of any government intended to secure the rights and privileges of a free people, unquote. Benjamin Rush, one of the signers of the Declaration of Independence, and also the first founder to call for free public education, had this view, quote, the only foundation for a useful education in a republic is to be laid in religion. Without this, there can be no virtue, and without virtue, there can be no liberty. And liberty is the object and life of all republican governments, unquote, back in 1806. And he said this, which I think is very wise. Without religion, I believe learning does much mischief to the morals and principles of mankind. He said that in 1783. I believe I've heard people like that referred, referred to as educated fools. They know a lot, but they don't know uh, and they don't know what they don't know. Something, something that I think amplifies that statement is a proliferation of video games such as Grand Theft Auto and some first-person shooter games. Then a player is encouraged to commit murders or other sinful acts without any teaching or instructions or encouragement against such horrific actions or any negative impact resulting from wrongful actions or injustice. There are many who will try to ridicule our police and our military and accuse them as being inherently evil and impute horrible intent to them. And something I have learned, the police and military are strongly trained in what are and are not acceptable and unacceptable and what, <coughs> with the goal of preventing any of those unacceptable things from happening. Unfortunately, again, this is not widely recognized by the public, but it's not really put on TV shows so much, really, or movies so much as to enforce that. One of the things that our military and police forces strive to ensure 
is that their members are well grounded in what is and is not accepted. They know that they have duties to perform, and they strive to ensure that they will be done honorably. But another point I'd like to make is this. If people are raised with strong moral ethics, actions that will put one at odds with the law are much less likely to occur. If strong morals are instilled in children beginning early in life, their lives are much more likely to be fruitful and satisfying. Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Benjamin Franklin, at the Constitutional Convention, reminded the other delegates how, when they were very aware of danger in the beginning of the Revolutionary War, they had daily prayers in that very room they were meeting in. The results were, he stated, that God heard the prayers and graciously answered He asserted that all of them who were engaged in that struggle must have observed frequent instances of God's providence. He asked them if they had since forgotten that powerful connection, or if perhaps they felt they no longer needed his assistance. He made this statement, I have lived, sir, a long time, and the longer I live, the more convincing proofs I see of this truth, that God governs of men. And, he added, if a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without his notice, is it probable that an empire can rise without his aid? We have been assured, sir, in the sacred writings, that except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. There are many in these days who deny that our founding fathers were godly men. They like to make claims. As a matter of fact, they make strong assertions of it. Their favorite tactic is to continually lie about this nation's beginning and its foundation. Sadly, many times they get away with it because those hearing the lies are ignorant of the facts. And they are ignorant of those facts because they are not standing in truth. You watch these deniers, and you will see they are very forceful in their assertions, a technique that they've learned well. Speak with force, shouting and exuding confidence that you, what you are saying is absolutely true, and many times they'll be untouched. Again, I mark that up to the fact that our educational system has been woefully ineffective. Almost like they planned it that way, isn't it? I don't think that, that our educational system did, but I think that those did. Helps you better realize why our schools were attacked by that force and made to stop teaching God, godly values and precepts dogmas. Looks to me like they had the idea that they should disarm their victims so that they couldn't fight back in a battle like this. What better way to ensure your success against those you're wanting to conquer? Again, who are we? Who are we fighting? I'll leave you with this 
1 Peter 5 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. <laughs>